that I think empowering women in, in in the area of wealth building is my access to transformation. So if you get a transformational view into someone's life, you can transform their whole life. Welcome back to the Balance Bowley podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm Nikita Thigpen, your host and balance and relationship advisor, partnering with you to change the narrative so we can amplify intimacy within and across your relationships and you can have the freedom, flexibility, and confidence to thrive in work life and in love. You guys know if you've been listening to Balance Bowley podcast, we are deep in season 18, all about our seed investments, those tiny seeds that we plant along our own journey in ourselves and in others to generate the most sustainable and profitable harvest. Now you can take that any way you want. And right now I understand that a lot of people are unnerved by global circumstances, but that aside, we have to look at what we have control over what we plant in ourselves and others. We may not have control over what's happening outside of our person, but we definitely have control over what we choose to do and what we choose not to do, which is why I am thrilled, beyond excited, to introduce this amazing, incredible woman. I already found kindredness between us and just the way that we see the world, and I have to bring her to the table for you guys because I think that she can give some serious professional and life experience that can help us shift our perspective a little bit if we are leaning more towards you know the wackiness of the world right now and not towards what we have control over. I would love to introduce to you Hillary Hendershot, founder, CEO, and CFP of Hendershot Wealth Management, teaching women how to take any financial action confidently and grow your wealth while eliminating financial stress once and for all. Hillary has 20 years of experience, actually over 20 years of experience as a financial advisor and wealth coach. She is the host of the Retirement Years on Profit Boss Radio, a weekly financial podcast where she and her guests offer inspiration and actionable advice. She's also a TEDx speaker and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, NBC, ABC, Fox, Daily Work, Forbes, Investopedia, and you name it. To top it all off, Hillary is recognized as top 40 under 40 entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. Hillary, welcome to the Balanced Bully Podcast. How are you today? Well, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for that introduction. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. You're welcome. You earned it. You definitely earned it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I have to say that I am inspired by your tenacity in the field, especially as an entrepreneur for multiple decades without dating yourself because you look good, girl. But, you know, (laughs) thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Without dating, you, you know, you've been really sticking it out through all the ebbs and flows that some of us, you know, I'm only nine years in to my entrepreneurial journey. And I know many of the people that are listening are somewhere between seven and 15. So you're very senior in this walk that you have, and you know what it takes to be successful and also to back up that success with real authentic confidence. So I would just love for you to share with all of the listeners, you know, kind of who you are and what got you to this place you are right now. I'd be happy to. 
You know, I uh, graduated from college at the height of the dot-com boom back in 1999, and I was in Silicon Valley, sort of the, the epicenter of where everything was happening. And within a short time, I was actually making over six figures. I was doing corporate recruiting at the time. Um, but I found that I would come home at night to a stack of bills that I wouldn't open because I couldn't pay them. Mm. So it seemed like no matter how much I earned, I would spend more than that money burned a hole in my pocket and you know uh, uh, gradually over time my father actually brought me into his financial planning business uh, i was going to be the business continuation plan so i started studying financial planning and pretty soon i'm advising multimillionaires on how to handle their investment portfolios during the day and i'm still overspending my income right so things mm. things came kind of to a crisis for me uh, as the economy fell during the financial crisis uh, my income went down my expenses were up i had one of those awful kinds of mortgages that uh, it would the actual principal balance would go up every month mm. and make a long story short i got to the point where my credit cards were maxed out and my bank accounts were empty. It was a very, very difficult place for me to be. I was nearing 30 years old and I was still someone who had financial emergencies that my parents would have to bail me out of. It was embarrassing, frankly. Yeah. Um, I mean, beyond that, it, it was actually a very shameful experience for me because here I am, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm a smart person. I, I mean, there are some people who say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at money because I'm not good at math. I am really good at math. So I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have that excuse. Uh, and so I, I had a kind of heart to heart with myself one very specific day. I had pulled my my leased BMW into the gas station to get gas and all my credit cards were maxed out. So I, I had to walk home. I left my BMW at the gas station and walked home and I had a conversation with myself. And I said, look, it's Hillary. It's really clear how your life is going to go if you continue to behave this way. So you got to figure this out. You got to turn this inside out. You got to you got to resolve this problem in your life or else this is your life. And I was very unhappy with my current results. So, you know, I did, I did figure things out. I basically decided to become an expert on money psychology and behavioral finance. I studied everything I could get my hands on about what the neuropsychologists already know about why we behave strangely with money. And I was able to turn things around in my financial life. Uh, since then, you know, I've paid off all my debts. By the way, I had $600,000 in combined debt, including the mortgage. So yeah, you know, Silicon Valley purchase prices are big, but a lot of that was credit card debt. I also had tuition debt. Um, I paid off all the debt. I've refilled the business bank account, the, uh, the retirement accounts, I mean, and I don't mind sharing with you, my current business is a seven-figure business, so we make about a million dollars a year, and my husband and I combined have a multi-million dollar net worth, and I only share those details with you because I think it's important that people yeah. listening understand I really did learn something and I really did put it into practice and and along the way I said to myself well if you can actually create a framework for this if you can actually coach and teach this you can make a massive difference for people because money is an area where people suffer and so I did that so in addition to running a traditional financial advisory firm uh, I also offer 
wealth coaching. And, you know, if you listen to my podcast, or maybe you'll choose to try it out in the future, I often say I'm a judgment free zone, because in the story I just told you, you know, that no matter where you are financially, I've either been there myself, or I know someone who has. And I, I think society relates to people who don't have financial success yet, like they're irresponsible or short-sighted or bad people. And I just don't. I just don't. I know that we have some people have natural limitations mm-hmm. um, when it comes to our beliefs and our behaviors about money that while they can be transcended, it's very difficult to do until you really closely examine them. So that really is what I teach and what I'm about is that no matter where you are financially now, the, 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 the universe is your oyster. You can have anything you set your mind to if you take the right actions and do the right thinking and processing about it. So that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. No, I love that. And you hit on so many elemental nuggets that we could totally dive deep into, (laughs) um, which is why I'm glad that you have a podcast as well, because people can follow you to get even more of the things that we won't be able to cover. But something that you highlighted was learn, practice, grow. Like I heard you say, you know, you learn from your mistakes, you flip things inside and out, you practice better habits and rituals to make some changes in your life, including looking at what was really going on with you, which I think is a highlight point. It wasn't just about the cars, right? Like in in the cars and the houses and the price points of the mortgage, there were some things that you weren't doing correctly with your money and no, no judgment here either. I, I, it's funny. You said that I use that hashtag a lot, judgment free zone, Um, (laughs) because it is right. Like, you know, people aren't helped or healed if you're constantly berating them about their mistakes, but we do have to recognize where the mistakes are rooted in. So when that happened for you, I'm curious as to, you know, where were you in your life? Were you married at the time when you looked at, you know, like, wait a minute, something is wrong. And, you know, did that shake up the background of what you and your husband were trying to build or hoping to build? Or were you not married yet? And you were figuring this out early? No, you're talking about so I'm 43. Now I got married when I was 37. This Mm -hmm. happened around 26, 27, something like that. So I was single and I was dating, which was a nightmare. Because at (laughs) one point, I had to move out of my condo and I was living on my mother's couch. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to date and it was awful and embarrassing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To say the least, right? (laughs) I live with my mama. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you got everything together before you met your, you know, your king to be that would come into your life and you could help him see your empress world that you had built up. Um, Uh But while you were going through that, because I do think that there are a lot of people who are maybe not necessarily sleeping on their mom's couch right now while they're in the middle of dating, but they're definitely, whatever their circumstances are, that, you know, driving up to the gas station and looking for change in the the change dish of your car (laughs) to be able to get $2 of gas. I mean, I've been there, God knows. Um, Like looking at the kids' piggy banks, like, okay, what's in there? What can we use? We got to be able to get them to school when things are tough. Looking at old birthday cards, looking for something left in them. Um, You know, when, when things are tough, things are tough. And I think right now we could both speak to the fact that globally things are tough and people are definitely challenged by that. But you were in the, you were in the earlier stages of this before that it was a global thing. You were just dealing with it when it was hitting people in your tax bracket at the time, which can also have its own you know, interesting juxtaposition, right? Like you're living out in Silicon Valley. I'm sure there was an expected way to live. 
and way to do things when you decided to have that hard conversation with yourself about how you were going to do things differently to get more of what you wanted? I think so. I think one of the things that I discovered about my money psychology is that I had a strongly held belief that there was never enough money, which as I've studied it, I've realized something very counterintuitive. First of all, there's never enough money is a very popular, what I call money operating system. Mm-hmm. You could also think of it as a, um, a money block Okay, but it it is your core. You do have a core fundamental belief about money, and it's very simplistic. A child, you made it up when you were a child, okay, and you were listening to your parents or some authority figure. And my mom wouldn't give me the money that I wanted to buy, you know, my my friend's birthday gifts or my brand name shoes. And so I decided there's never enough money. And so if you actually get money and you believe there's not enough money, you have to spend it or get rid of it somehow. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you have a conflict, you have cognitive dissonance, right? And so, you know, I told you I was earning six figures in my early 20s. Um, and, and so I, I, no matter how much came in though, I had to spend all of it and then some in order to continue to have it be true that there's never enough money. Mm -hmm. And then also I had a strongly held belief that money makes you powerful or money makes you valuable. So I would spend money, like I mentioned, I, I leased a BMW because I wanted that as a status symbol. I wanted people to think that I was already successful. And, you know, you would have loved hanging out with me because if we had been at the restaurant or the bar, everything would have been on me. Mm. I would have spent money to make you think that I had a lot of money. I had the emblems of wealth com- com- confused with the reality of wealth. And so those two strongly held beliefs that were running my financial life were just massively destructive until I actually saw them for what they were. And I was able to say, oh, okay, let's actually check the reality. I've been, I've been acting like these, these statements about money are true, but they're actually not factually true, right? I can actually manifest a different reality if I, if I have different practices. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. You're, you are definitely talking to the right soul sister when you talk about manifesting something different by creating your own reality. Um, I believe that we create our balance just as much as we create our joy from that optimism. And what did you call it earlier um, offline? The evangelist of optimism? Was that what it was? I did. I said right now I'm evangelizing optimism. Yes, I love that. Hashtag she's trademarking it. Nobody take it. Um, (laughs) But I, I love that. And I think that all of that plays into looking at what your core beliefs are, which I I come from that space of psychology too, where we look at our early scripts and the things that were created, most of which were created before we were seven years old and they just got kind of imprinted deeper and deeper based on our habits and our new experiences that we were holding on to as our truth. Like you said, like I, I feel like this emblem of wealth is what I need. So my truth is I'm gonna spend whatever, you know, the least amount was for that car to be able to do it. Meanwhile, you're letting things go, kind of slip through your fingers. Um. It, and with you doing that, I know that you saw on the other side of that, talk about a juxtaposition, like you, you know, money, you know, math, you definitely don't have those excuses that other people have, right? Like, well, oh, I'm not really good with money. Like those stories we tell ourselves, you have that. And simultaneously, you are helping others get it together, right? Like the chef who is amazing, but doesn't cook at home, right? Like <laughs> 
that, that's um, what I feel is one of the reasons I was put here on the planet. I feel like I've been gifted the opportunity to live my purpose. And, you know, it wasn't something that I could see when I was 20 years old. Obviously, I had those hard lessons to learn first. Yeah. But there's a Stanford commencement speech that Steve Jobs gave where he says, look, you can't see your path in life looking forward. You can only make the best of where you are now and look backward on the steps that got you there. And I, I feel really blessed that I'm, I'm sort of in that position in life. And while I'm still evolving and there's a lot I want to accomplish that really has nothing to do with the realm of money. I do Mm -hmm. think that I think empowering women in, in, in the area of wealth building is my access to transformation. So if you get a transformational view into someone's life, you can transform their whole life. And so that really is my intention as a, an activist and, you know, someone I'm very interested in rebalancing life and the way we do business with feminine principles. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just think um, I, part, part of, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm only re, I'm reiterating myself, but I, I'm blessed to be able to live my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you reiterating is necessary, right? <laughs> Because, because we, right? Because we know that there's people who, you know, if this was a month ago, I would say, are listening to this on the treadmill or in, on their route to work or whatever the case is. Right now, they're looking for something to encourage them through whatever the challenge is that they're dealing with, whether it's just, you know, adapting to re- remote from home or adjusting to the fact that there's kids that they're homeschooling or the fact that their spouse is in their space 24 hours a day, you know, whatever that may be. Hashtag get out. Exactly. Hashtag get out. So I definitely think that you've like, you've probably felt it spiritually. Like, why am I saying this again? It's because it needed to be said. So I'm grateful that you said it twice and in two different ways, because I think people are hearing you very sincerely understand that wealth building is something that they can take control over and that they can, you know, focus on to help fix some of the outside elements of things that are going on, the things that they are affected by, you know, the pull of not wanting to look at the bills that come in the mail and, you know, just all the things that when you don't have wealth are kind of consuming you, but it is in fact to get them to that other place of transformation um, that you're also purposed to help them with. So. I commend you for that. I wanted to just highlight that. (laughs) Thank you. You know, and I'll share transparently uh, as a money manager, I, I mean, I literally manage the nest eggs for my clients and, you know, I don't know where the stock market will be when you're listening to this episode, but as of today, it's down about 27, 28% peak to trough. And if you have money in the market, you know, your personal net worth is down. Well, I'm fiscally responsible for 150 families and I'm watching, you know, their net worth decline. And it, Mm. it did put me in a place of anxiety and I could hardly eat or sleep last week. And I finally said to myself, Hillary, where are your thoughts right now? Because they're the facts, which is everyone's still fine. Everyone's living and thriving and spending and saving. And um, some people have had their incomes decline. But where are your thoughts? And my thoughts were on a worried future, a pessimistic future. I thought, I got it. That's what's creating all this anxiety for me. I'm actually going to stop having those thoughts. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) This is 
not in alignment with, first of all, I, I declare myself as a space of optimism, evidence-based optimism, because so far we've always worked it out. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so life has been so much more peaceful since then. And I really have been able to stand authentically in a place of, look, I know that we'll resolve this, this, this too shall pass. And we'll get through this as a, community and frankly as a global community so yeah it's I mean I go through it too and um, learning to manage what you think about is so critical to your experience of your day and your life and what you're able to create yeah a thousand percent and I'm laughing uh, for those of you listening uh, <laughs> we're recording this audio base so Hillary can't see my face and my bobblehead moment that's happening right now while she's talking <laughs> Where I'm like, yes, hunty, yes, um, in the background. But I was trying to be patient and and not interrupt you with my um, animation. Um, but you're a thousand percent right. And that's what makes you the go-to person, right? Like people want people they can go to that are not so perfect Patty or so perfect Paul that they can't relate to where they've been on some level. It could be an emotional relation, not necessarily experiential, but being able to relate on some level where they can create some intimacy because you are an expert at what you do and you are purpose at what you do because you're constantly creating new ways to do it better. The reality is I'm only the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world because guess what I'm doing all the time? Balancing relationships. <laughs> Whether it's mine, you know, my husband and I have been together since we were 17, you know, whatever that is, what whatever's going on with my client's base. Or, you know, the fact that we have two little, little people, grandbabies now, one of which is constantly in the hospital and getting blood transfusions every two weeks. We are balancing a lot of stuff all the time. And I'm not great because I just know all these things to do. I'm great because I'm looking at how to do it differently. I'm sitting with myself the same way you said, wait a minute, Nikita, what is happening with you right now? Like get into a space of mindfulness, be present to what your emotions are right now so you can get back some control and shift your own energy and make your vibrations higher so you can attract more of what you want and not sink yourself into this rabbit hole of anxiety that whatever the circumstances might be pulling you into. And that's why I can claim my dopeness, right? Because I'm constantly building that toolkit and sharing it from a space of vulnerability and transparency which is why I honor you for what you just shared, because that's what makes you amazing at what you do. Thank you. And, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I hope this isn't too off topic, but, you know, you just saying what you said, you owning your dopeness. I think that anything like that is rare amongst women. In fact, now that I've started paying attention to it, how I, I'm shocked and almost disappointed at how often women put especially our bodies down. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like I can't remember the last time I heard a woman just say thank you to a compliment on her beauty or her looks. It's always like, oh, but not like you or it's mm -hmm. always some, you know, and I it just it hurts me being I have a three and a half year old daughter and I'm, you know, I just I look forward to the day when we can all own our dopeness and our gorgeousness and our beauty and and just, I mean, look, we don't have to rank order ourselves. Exactly. You can be beautiful and I can be beautiful at the same time, for goodness <laughs> sake. How about that? <laughs> you know? And I try to teach my, I tell, I tell my daughter every day, you're, you're beautiful and you're smart and you're perfect. And 
I, you know, I hope that she'll grow up being a woman who says, I'm, I'm beautiful when I enter a room. doesn't matter who else is in the room. I'm smart. I'm capable. I'm dope at what I'm dope at and I'm learning at what I'm learning at. But, you know, it's just so, um, it just really inspired me when you were claiming your own expertise and your skill set. Yeah. No, thank you. And I think it's totally relevant to everything that you do and what we're talking about, right? Like, you know, there is enough. There's enough kindness to go around. There's enough amazingness to go around. There's enough for you to have money and save money without you spending it all because you have to get rid of it if that's part of your psychological money story, right? Like, I think it's all definitely in a a very kind of kismet way, all connected to to what we were talking about originally. So I don't think you veered at all, Miss Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear you won't be cutting that part. No, not at all. Nope, totally unedited, just completely raw, minus some cute music at the beginning and the end. Um, which brings me to, you know, with all that you're doing and all that you're managing, because it, it is, you know, you're really good at it, but like a ballerina, there's a lot of work that goes behind making things look that easy, right? And you, you're obviously making what you do look really, really easy because you're so good at it and you have two plus decades in. Um, so I'm curious for your own sanity, mental health, recharging your battery. How do you give yourself permission to pause at the end of a week or the middle of a week when you feel like you need it? Sure. Well, so first of all, I have a strong commitment to exercise. So I do a lot of running and weightlifting and that keeps me sane. Although I don't experience it as necessarily meditational or therapeutic. It's something that I need to do for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that. I practice transcendental meditation. So that's 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And that's a practice that I, um, uh, I adopted when my daughter got diagnosed with a chronic blood disease. And that was a massively stressful time. And she's okay. She's healthy. She's thriving. She'll probably, we have all indications she'll make a full recovery, but I've kept that practice around. And then um, I love, I have a hot tub at my house and it's either the hot tub or a hot bath. For me, I'm in heaven. And so that's nice for me. Glass of wine, uh, dunk my body in some hot water and I'm happy. I think I'm going to come to PR and visit you as soon as I can, because all those things, the weightlifting, the meditation, and the hot tub and wine are all in my lane. That's your wheelhouse, huh? Yes, I am about that life. (laughs) Now, that is awesome. You have been so incredible. Um, And, you know, I would definitely spend more and more time with you. So I will save some of the juiciness for people to follow you. How can all the listeners connect with you to learn more or to get your help or just to, you know, follow fan and follow you to just learn more about what you're doing? Thanks. Absolutely. So if you have room in your podcast lineup and you can check out Profit Boss Radio right now, consider starting with episode 77. Um, that's my seven steps to wealth framework, but I'd love it. If you'd subscribe to profit boss radio, we talk about money and empowerment and investing and how to earn and how to save and how to manage and how to automate. It's uh, fun stuff. You can find all things that I do at my main website, which is Hillary And my first name has one L and my last name has two T's. 
And if you're there, pick up my Seven Steps to Wealth guide. So uh, we've got an, a, a, an ebook with audio recordings and follow up emails for accountability to walk you through the Seven Steps to Wealth framework to empower you and get you started on your right path. I love all of this. And I am going to be picking it up uh, because I think that there is some amazingness to be learned from you that I will practice and continue to grow from. How about I love that? it. <laughs> You are phenomenal. I really appreciate you taking out time out of your very full schedule to just spend it with us and give us some insight on who you are and how you got to be the amazing dope woman that you are so you could balance boldly. I'm, I'm going to use that word dope a few times this week. <laughs> In your name, lady. In your yes, name. <laughs> take it. Share it. <laughs> I'm about that too. Thanks for um, having me. You're welcome. I appreciate you. Balance Boldly listeners, as always, I have to thank you and honor you for also taking out time to share space and time with myself and this week's feature expert, Hillary Hendershot. She is amazing. Please do follow up on the call to actions. I will make sure that every single thing that you need listed, including episode 77 for where to start is in the show notes below where you are hearing this podcast right now and whichever platform you are listening. If you are new to Balance Boldly for ambitious women in business and a few brave men, make sure you subscribe, rate, and share this with your tribe so we can make sure that the other ambitious and bold and brave people out there get access to these balanced tools for their work life and their love. Outside of this, the only thing that I have to say is continue to create your balance and create your joy, but do it boldly.